Welcome to Second Half Now, a radio show for the 50-plus generation, helping America's baby boomer live a life that matters. Your host is Dr. Dan Critchett, and the show is all about guests and topics that relate to the real-life challenges and opportunities of people in the second half of life. Today's show is brought to you by Second Half Network, providing resources and connections that are designed to educate, equip, and inspire. If you want to live a life that matters, Dr. Dan and his guests are in the studio and ready to begin today's discussion. Let's listen in. And welcome to Second Half Now. We're so happy to uh, have you in our listening audience. Uh, It means a lot to us as we work very diligently and very hard to provide uh, relevant, powerful content for our listeners. This is a radio show for the 50-plus generation, and our theme is Helping America's Baby Boomer Live a Life That Matters. And there are a lot of things that contribute to living a life that matters and a lot of things that actually get in the way. We're going to talk about some of that today. And this is where we discuss the things that really count, the important things in our life, the things that we face, the challenges and opportunities. And um, so happy to have you on board. I am your host, Dr. Dan Critchett. And today's subject is a tough one. It is filled with lots of damage and darkness, and it has touched the lives of most Americans in some way, either directly or indirectly. And we're going to shine a light on the subject today and give hope and encouragement for the future. The subject, toxic parenting. It usually involves some sort of abuse. It's more widespread than we have realized. In fact, when I talk to our guest today, I'm amazed, in fact, I think uh, shocked at uh, the numbers that uh, he is uh, telling us about through all of his research and experience. So I'm wondering, listener, can you think of someone who has experienced toxic parenting? Maybe yourself or someone in your circle of family and friends. So our guest today is going to help us with this delicate yet powerful subject. In studio today, I'm happy to welcome Rick Johnson, and he is a national speaker and conference leader and um, uh, has spoken to thousands at a time and over the course of years has spoken to tens of thousands of people in small settings, in churches and schools, and in some of the larger venues, uh, several thousand people at a time. He's the author of 12 books on parenting, marriage, family, And uh, some of the titles that he has, we might mention some of those, but the one we're going to talk about today is Overcoming Toxic Parenting. Brand new book just out with Ravel as the publisher. And uh, Rick has been very prolific and very insightful and helpful in the whole area of parenting and family and marriage. So today we're going to talk about the issue of toxic parenting, what it is, how to recognize and confront it, and what to do for a positive, healthy future. The title of today's show actually is the same as the title of the book. I don't usually do that, but in this case, I'm going to. So the title of today's show is Overcoming Toxic Parenting. Before we get into that, I want to remind you briefly about uh, the scope of our show. And uh, we are here really to provide help and encouragement for living a life that matters And our five core priorities for a boomer's life, number one, home and family, number two, health and wellness, number three, budget and finances, number four, heart and soul, and number five, work and purpose. 
And we provide that kind of information and help the boomers of America. And we, we do it with the so that clause. We want you to be happy and healthy in all of those areas so that you can live a life that matters. Today, obviously, the topic of our five core priorities is home and family. And the topic, again, overcoming toxic parenting. Let's talk about it. Our guest in studio today, as I mentioned, is Rick Johnson. And Rick, I want to thank you for coming in today and welcome to Second Half Now. Hi, Dan. My pleasure. Yeah, it's great. We have talked uh, over the last number of months. You've been on the show before, and uh, we're in the habit of meeting for uh, coffee or iced tea or something on a uh, on a frequent basis and get to know each other and talk about life, mm -hmm. and that's all good stuff. So let's get right into it. Uh, this book, I think, Rick, is very significant, partly because of the sheer number of people that it speaks to. And I have to say, I grew up in kind of a leave it to beaver home, you know, everything fine, everything good, mom and dad, you know, both sane and moral and sober. And, and it's almost sounds funny to say that. But in our day, that's kind of unusual. When I was in grade school, I remember we had one student in my class, the one the one, you know, um, uh, flashback that I have. And there was one student in the class who came from what we called then a broken home. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what the stats are, but everything is turned upside down. And uh, so most of my friends and most of the people in our circle, uh, you know, were, had stable, uh, at least on the surface, mm -hmm. stable homes. Mom and dad stayed married for a long time. Kids grew up, you know, got jobs and went out to the world. So, but it isn't that way everywhere. And um, because of the number of people that this toxic parenting subject speaks to, Please tell us what you mean or what is meant by the term toxic parenting. Yeah, what I wanted to do, Dan, with this book was um, address a little bit deeper issue than I normally do in my books. You know, most of my books, I think, are, are read by pretty good parents. If you're reading books on parenting, you're, you're probably a pretty good parent. Um, but having come from this particular background uh, of an abusive environment, I wanted to Try to reach out to people and speak to them to help them understand that, you know, your past isn't your future. Mm. You can change some of those things that you were programmed with, if you will, uh, as a child. And so, um, yeah, that was, I think that was my impetus for doing this. I think the book was very cathartic for me as far as personally to write this. And, um, and like I said, that, that's really what I wanted to do was bring some hope and encouragement to people. And how would you say that it was uh, cathartic? I mean, you, you went through a whole process of um, research and kind of sorting through some mm -hmm. thoughts and asking some questions and chasing some insights or some results and stuff. And you, you started to factor all this together and, and measure it up with your uh, upbringing or with your early childhood family life. Sure. And one of the things I wanted to do was differentiate between dysfunctional families and toxic families okay good, good. in that yeah. you know probably most families are dysfunctional to some degree right. um in quotations um but um i you know tox i consider toxic parenting to be abuse whether it be abandonment emotional or psychological abuse verbal abuse physical abuse incest or sexual abuse neglect alcoholism drug abuse mental illness i think even poverty can can it produces some sort mm -hmm. of an abuse uh, with children as well that requires 
intervention to some right. degree in order to break out of that generational cycle. Right. Well, so that's that was my hope with this book was to yes. help people to break those generational cycles so they don't continue to get right. passed down from, from one family to the next. And that's what we want to spend this time digging into. And I know we're not going to get it all covered in part one. So what is on the air, we're going to have to conclude in 20 minutes or so, but then we want to make sure that everybody realizes that some of the best answers and some of the best hope uh, and encouragement is going to be on part two, which will be on our website, secondhalfnow.com. So you said something I want to pick up on and kind of shine a light on that, where you said your past is not your future or doesn't have to be your future. So if someone is kind of stuck in that or was raised in a toxic parenting home, uh, they can say, okay, now this is going to be refreshing because I'm going to hear something that declares that I don't have to continue to live in the consequences of my upbringing. Right. And and one of the things I think is important for us to talk about right off the beginning is how prevalent this really is. Let's talk um, about that. Uh, interestingly, um, a number of years ago, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Kaiser Permanente, collaborated on a study of uh, surveying 17,000 uh, Kaiser members. And what they did is they asked them, they surveyed them to ask them if they had had uh, experienced any one of eight uh, adverse childhood experiences, or what they call ACEs. And these included things like emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, having a battered mother, uh, parental divorce, substance abusing mother, mentally ill mother, or an incarcerated household member. And so when they surveyed these 17,000 members, two-thirds reported that at least uh, that they had had at least one mm. of these, and more than one in five reported three or more. Now, what's important about that is ACEs have a cumulative effect on human beings with pretty drastic results. For instance, if a child has experienced four or more ACEs, the outcomes include being 12 times more likely to commit suicide, 10 more, times more likely to use drugs, seven times more likely to abuse alcohol, um, individuals with four more is twice as likely to be diagnosed with cancer and have mm -hmm. a 460% greater uh, likelihood of suffering from depression. Wow. And an ACE score of six or more shortens a, li a person's lifespan by 20 years. Now, I had six or more of those, and so I shouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. But here's the real mm -hmm. hope in all this. is we Studies show that if you go back and you address these different abuses, these different ACEs that you experience as a child, and you heal from them, it erases all of those negative things and puts you back on a course where your normal lifespan, normal health, uh, it, it completely erases it and starts you over again. So really? there's a lot of hope in this, really? in that even though you, know, you asked me what I meant by your past isn't your mm -hmm. future, we don't have to be the kind of parents that we had. Yeah. We can be different. Now, here's the challenge for most people. Most people I meet are very good at kind of stuffing a lot of this stuff right. until they have kids. Mm. And once we have kids, it brings out all the Comes pressures out. and stress, bring okay. out all of these different things. And we yeah. find ourselves doing and saying yeah. some of the very same things that we said we would never do right. that our parents did. But we've been, our brains have been programmed. They've right. actually been imprinted to respond in that way. And if we don't, we don't know what we don't know. If we don't if we don't change that, yeah. we're going to end up acting the same way. Wow, it reminds me of uh, my friend, uh, coach, uh, brain coach Brad, Brad Pendergraft, and uh, in the uh, field of neuroscience, uh, there's a, an axiom that says neurons that fire together wire together, mm -hmm. and I think that's what you're getting at is if you have the same mental and emotional response to certain 
events or uh, or things that happen to you, that kind of stays the pattern. And so when when it happens again, then your neurons kind of fire together and it's the same response. But what you're saying, Rick, is that there is hope not just to feel better or to, how do I want to say, have a better outlook, but it really, you can reprogram the neurons of your brain to actually have a different response. Uh, and that's what your book covers. How part part of the research that I did that, that I found fascinating was how we, we can't actually reprogram our brains because once we learn these things, once these neuron, these neural pathways develop, and I'll go through that real briefly here in a second, we, they never go away. But if we don't use them, for instance, when you learn how to ride a bike, you never forget, but mm -hmm. you do get rusty, right. and it takes you a while sometimes to figure out how to do it. So, so here's what happens in the brain is, uh, briefly, I'm sure brain coach Brad <laughs> did this a lot better than me, but you know, your brain has billions of individual cells and neurons, and, and they develop trillions of connections with other cells. Mm -hmm. And so an infant's brain at birth is only about 25% developed, which allows it to adapt to many different environments. Hence, a child's brain raised by loving parents will develop much differently than one raised in a home with, say, a drug-addicted mother and lots of domestic oh, sure. violence. Yeah. You know, the brain's main primary job is survival. And so what happens is if survival's threatened, the rest of the brain shuts down except for the functions that help self-preservation. So for a child from a violent home, the higher functioning regions, regions of the brain become smaller from lack of use affecting the child's ability to learn and understand the world other than how to survive wow. in this very vigilant yeah. environment. Um, and, and, and that's great for that environment, but when we get out of that environment, then we lack the skills to, to be able to do it. So, so here's what happens. Let's say to reprogram you, because people are all the time, well, then how do, I, how do I overcome some of these that I've had? So you can actually program your brain in different ways. So just as an example, let's say that you had parents that were verbally abusive and they were always angry and critical to you. And not surprisingly, then you grew up to be angry and critical of everyone around you. And now that you're a parent, you want your children to feel better about themselves than you felt about mm. yourself. Yeah. You want to treat your kids the way your parents did you or pass those traits on. So here's what you decide to do. You decide that the way to do that is to offer praise every chance you get instead of finding fault. Now, that's hard because you're programmed not to do that, okay? Right. So here's a way to, to, to approach this. So every night before you go to bed, the last thing you think about is, I'm going to praise my child five times tomorrow, okay? And then when you wake up in the morning, very first thing you think about, I'm going to offer praise as often as possible today, praise and positive feedback. And you, and you force yourself to do that several times a day. Mm -hmm. Now, again, it's not easy because that's not what you've been. Gradually, though, it becomes easier, and uh, becoming critical actually becomes harder, if you do it often enough and practice it and develop those neural pathways, I, you know, think about when you first started to play a musical instrument. At first, it was really slow and hard to, mm -hmm. and difficult. But over time, as you practiced and brain patterns developed, it started getting easy and more proficient. Pretty soon, you're, you're much more positive and, and, and not near as negative. Right. And, um, and your kids benefit because of it. It becomes natural. Second nature. Yeah. I'm thinking of a scripture passage that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is mm. he. And I'm thinking that uh, how we think, how we process the the uh, the neurons of our brain. I mean, I don't think the word neuron is in the Bible anywhere, but it's such a powerful truth then. Because when we see misbehavior or we see you know things that we don't approve of in our kids, um, it, how we think, how we process that becomes who we are 
as parents, and that's how the kids will see us, mm. right? They'll see how we respond or react to those things, and those are patterns that get deeply ingrained, mm-hmm. you know. And and I, I think you're you're helping us by saying with diligence and with discipline and practice, you can actually um, become a different parent by focusing on a different a different response to. The, the misbehavior or whatever. Well, well and work. that's one strategy. There's other strategies that I think okay. you have to do in combination with that. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Our kids pick up on cues like that, which impacts their self-esteem, sure. their self-image, all those kinds of things that they carry. Our words are, you know, we tend to not, especially as men, I think we tend to not think of our words as meaning much because we judge people by their actions, not right. so much by what they say. But to our kids and to our wives, our words are hugely powerful. And Absolutely. Many of us are carrying around in our hearts today as baby boomers right. words that we heard our fathers and mothers speak to us that right. that still stick in our heart and, sure. and cause us pain. So and and affect our self image and 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 self uh, self belief. Absolutely. I'm thinking of an old uh, phrase that you probably heard in your childhood, and I know I did in mine. It says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Hurt me, And I just don't believe that anymore. I'd rather have sticks and stones anytime than a hurtful and harmful and damaging word. So do you think there's something to that? Well, they say, uh, smarter people than I say that, you know, physical wounds heal and, and uh, verbal or emotional wounds tend right. to not heal so, right. re- so easily. Anyway. Right. So, um, but... Any kind of abuse is is bad for kids. Right. Kids don't deserve to be abused in any of these forms, and and that's really you know the the I think the thing that we want to focus on is is uh, helping parents to again become the kind of parents that they want to be and that their kids right. deserve, not not be tied to their past, yeah. so to speak. I really like that. The kids be the parent your your child deserves. That's really powerful. We're going to dig a little bit deeper and ask uh, some really, really important questions as soon as we get back from the break, so don't go away. Do you have an elderly parent that is becoming isolated, not eating well, feeling depressed or fearful of losing independence? Do you know your options? Need peace of mind or know what is best for yourself or others during their golden years of life? At no cost to you or your family, Golden Placement Services can give you hope in the midst of great change. Even if it means staying at home is the right option. Call the Golden Girls at 503-723-7145 today. That's 503-723-7145 and schedule your non-obligation appointment today. If your kids are grown and gone, it might be time to be thinking about how you want to spend the next several years. One of your options is to downsize to a home that is a better fit. Attend the Upside of Downsizing Conference, an educational conference for boomers, seniors, and their adult children to learn how to downsize successfully and to gain solid solutions. Ticket prices are only $25 through November 5th and includes presenters, exhibitors, lunch, and free parking. The conference is on November 19th at the Holiday Inn Conference Center near the Portland Airport and will run from 9.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. The event sponsor is Oregon Live and The Oregonian. For reservations, visit UpsideOfDownsizing.com or call 503-208-9421. 503-208-9421. Space is limited. RSVP now. 
Interest rates are still down, and that means the time to buy is right now. Let 24-7 Properties help you find the right house for your current needs. Jeff and his team, they take the time to get to know you and your unique situation to find the home that's just right for you. Search for available homes online at 247prop.com. I'm Jeff Edmondson, founder of 24-7 Properties. Call me today and let's talk about the type of property you are interested in purchasing. No obligation, no cost. Let's find out what's right for you. Call me, 503 503- 780-3030. We are in studio with Rick Johnson, the author of a brand new book, Overcoming Toxic Parenting. In fact, that is the title of today's show, Overcoming Toxic Parenting. I want to give a big thanks to those who help make all of our programs possible and our ministry organization here in our metropolitan area. Uh, besides the ones that you heard on the uh, on the spots there, upside of downsizing, golden placement services, and 24/7 properties, we also want to acknowledge and give thanks to Hearthstone Senior Living, Transformational Finance, Dignity Memorial, Portland City Acupuncture, The Next Phase Coaching, and Dr. Dan Miller with Beaverton Chiropractic. So as we went to the break, we were talking about how. Um, how damaging this whole uh, issue of toxic parenting can be. And I'm going to um, ask Rick to go back to what we were talking about, the extensive uh, nature of toxic parenting, and particularly regarding, and he's had uh, conversations in groups and at, at workshops and so forth of his own, um, about uh, the prevalence of sexual abuse among women as they uh, as they remember it and as they experience it as kids. So, uh, Rick, tell us what you have learned about that. Well, statistically, um, one in four women uh, report that they've been sexually abused in one form or another. Um, generally, they know their abuser. About 90% of them know their abuser. So a lot of this is incestual yeah. kind of things. Um, the problem is 60% of sex abuse never gets reported. So I'm thinking probably a significant higher portion than one out of four, maybe as many as half half of all women or so now we need to mention also that males are sexually abused. i think statistically one in six one in seven but males's rate of not reporting it is significantly higher than females are sure because of the shame that's involved in all that kinds of stuff so um, i I would bet a significantly greater portion of of one out of six boys has been sexually abused as well so that is just just that alone when we consider all the other types of abuse oh yeah which oftentimes Multiple types of abuse go on in the same family, right. but right. nevertheless, that's a significant portion of people who've, right. who've been impacted by this right. in one form or another. My gosh. Now, this sexual abuse, um, is that for for women particularly, is that for when they were girls, when they were growing up? Um, it could be uh, adults. It could okay. be rape. It could be okay. uh, incest. It could be any okay. number of things. I mean, it's just such a uh, um, difficult thing to even talk about. And so if I'm if I'm preaching in a in my church and uh, there's a hundred people there, let's just you know round it off or you know make it easy. So you're saying that maybe somewhere in the range of fifty or more of them have experienced some sort of sexual abuse. Maybe of women for sure. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Wow. Now, now I don't have any studies to back that up. That's that's just anecdotal on my part. Right. But it makes sense that if statistically one out of four are but X number doesn't get reported. Right. That tells you that there's a lot more as right. well. Well, that's that's uh, 
it's shocking, but I, I like what you say. Your whole attitude is different. I want to have you tell a little bit a bit more about why you connect with this in the few minutes that we have left on part on part one here. And the rest, we're going to go uh, to our podcast and to our website to finish up with part two, and we'll be able to talk a lot more then. But tell us a little bit about your story, Rick. So, I, yeah, I came from an uh, alcoholic home. My mother and stepfather were alcoholics, a very abusive environment, physically, emotionally, psychologically. Um, and, you know, I, I think um, I tended to, well, first of all, like most people, I, I tended to either deny or justify the abuse. Um, I can remember for the longest time thinking, I didn't come from an abusive home. Clearly, I did. There's no question. You know, once I became educated on the on the subject, um, j- just as an example, you know, we used to get beatings with the belt frequently, and they weren't mm-hmm. just <laughs> spankings; they were beatings. Really. And you know, I never thought much about that, other than it wasn't. I didn't like it. But I watched a YouTube video a while back of a of a of a Middle Eastern slave owner beating his male slave with a belt, and uh, oh, it's horrid. Yeah, and and I and I, I thought, but you know what? It reminds me exactly what it was like uh, when I was growing up. Wow. And and so you know, I think a lot of people either 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 deny it or or justify it. I, a lot of men I talk to are like, well, yeah, my dad beat us, but we probably had it coming. Mm. You know, as like, no, no kids deserve to be beaten. I don't care what you've done or what kind of a kid you are. You don't deserve to get beat. And so, yeah. that that was kind of my background, you know. Well, that's amazing. I know that everybody is thinking, gosh, that is so horrible. Who could even imagine that? And some others are thinking, yeah, I can relate to that. I can connect with that. So, folks, you really want to go to our website, secondhalfnow.com, and you want to listen to the rest of this particular show, Overcoming Toxic Parenting, with uh, author and speaker Rick Johnson. And uh, we're going to have to close out for now, but this has been such a great, uh, helpful start because we want to lift the flag of healing and hope and we want to say some things. Rick is going to share some things about how to get uh, get beyond. And the, the overcoming part of the title of the book, I think, is really... Uh, and healing, a, a healing from some of this. Yeah, um, and it's not just trying to forget. It's no, actually, absolutely yeah, not. Good, I appreciate that. So we want to encourage everybody to uh, tune into our radio show on a regular basis. We are here on KKPZ 1330 AM on the dial in the Portland, Oregon uh, area, and we're on Monday evenings at 5.30 to 6 p.m., and then, of course, the rest is online. So go to our website, secondhalfnow.com. You'll hear the whole program over there. So we are with Rick Johnson, national author and speaker, with the subject, Overcoming Toxic Parenting. So, Rick, I know that a lot of people are wondering, how can they find out more? How can they get in touch with you? What's the answer to that question? Sure. If they go to our website at uh, betterdads.net, they can find out about this book. They can purchase this book. They can. All of our resources are available online, and uh, basic my speaking schedule. It's all sorts of things that they might be interested in. Betterdads.net. Mm-hmm. Great resource. Thank you for that. So I want to thank you for listening today, and we are really here to help the American baby boomer live a life that matters, and that's what we're here to do. I am your host, Dr. Dan Critchett. Want to uh, have you continue with our program and our and our the rest of our discussion with Rick Johnson on our website secondhalfnow.com. We'll see you there. Welcome back. We are continuing our topic: overcoming toxic parenting, with uh, author and speaker Rick Johnson in the studio with me. I am your host, Dr. Dan Critchett, and this part is available only 
on podcast and online. You can go to our website, uh, secondhalfnow.com, or maybe you have found us uh, on iTunes. And uh, we are trying to get all of our uh, programming out there so people have access to it, can listen and learn and grow from our conversations. So under the topic, Overcoming Toxic Parenting, Rick Johnson is uh, just now publishing with the publishers uh, called Ravel, who some of you will know, maybe many of you know, a book by the title of Overcoming Toxic Parenting. And if you did not hear the first part of this show, you want to go back and get the context because we laid down the foundation of the definition of toxic parenting, how widespread it is, and some of the features that uh, make a a home and family and, and parenting situation toxic and what implications and ramifications it has for lifelong, really, experience of the children that engage in that. And, but we're going to, as we're going to describe this a little bit more, we're going to end with some, some help and some hope and some encouragement because, uh, like Rick says, uh, you don't have to continue in that path. You can actually intentionally, um, if you know what to do and how to do it, you can change the course of your future and also for that of your kids. So let's get right back into it. Rick Johnson, uh, Overcoming Toxic Parenting. We wanted to, uh, we just finished up part one uh, when Rick was talking about his toxic parenting upbringing. He was the child in the home, and uh, now he is a parent and a grandparent and has put to use some of these uh, great insights and great strategies for uh, not just surviving but thriving um, out of the uh, toxic home and the toxic parenting. So, Rick, uh, we talked um, between sessions here about how children tend to blame themselves for whatever it is that's going on with them. Can you give us some more insight on that? Sure. Um, the, the, the interesting dynamic is that most children who come from abusive homes tend to blame themselves for the abuse. That seems counterintuitive, but when you think about it, you know, parents are like godlike in their, in the mm-hmm. homes. And um, for a child uh, with, with no real reasoning skills, uh, a, a parent who's supposed to love you unconditionally, supposed to take care of you, and you're at the mercy of for all of your needs, um, if they're abusive, they're mad at you all the time, it, obviously it has to be your fault because it can't be there. It doesn't make any sense for them mm. for it to be their fault. Right. And so that's part of the issue that we have to deal with is, is that we tend to blame ourselves, and that, of course, causes us to, to not seek... Not to admit the abuse, to stuff it, to do all sorts of things so that we don't have to face it and deal with it. Change is hard, and that's why more people don't change. Yeah. Was that your experience, too, as you were experiencing the kind of abuse that you were talking about in in part one? Um, And did you have a tendency to blame yourself and to think that it it was your fault? I think it might have been a little bit unusual. I was kind of rebellious. I was kind of the, you know, the role of the rebel, I guess, in the family, um, where I knew that that wasn't right. Okay. Although I do remember growing up being married, denying that I came from an abusive home um, after a certain amount of education, mm-hmm. counseling, things like that, where I was able to realize, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely did come from yeah. an abusive environment. But it took a long time, I think, to to come to grasp with that because it's not something that we want to readily admit to ourselves. So maybe I did blame myself mm. uh, unconsciously. Well, and this isn't an area that you want to be an expert in, but uh, uh, thinking back to what you had said earlier, these uh, ACEs, these adverse childhood experiences, 
Uh, and you said of the, what was the number you had? Six of them out of the? Six out of eight. Six yeah. out of eight. So, man, you could have been a real mess. I might have been a real mess for a while. I don't yeah. know. You know? Yeah. I remember being a pretty hard man. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't come to Christ till 40 years old. And okay, yeah. So my kids have a before Christ dead and a wow. and an after Christ yeah. dead. And, and, and I think for me, coming to Christ was fundamental in, in dealing with a lot of these right. issues. Now, right. I've been working on them before that, but yeah. the components of, like, forgiveness, which are hugely important, I don't think came until after I... Mm-hmm. Receive Christ's forgiveness, and yeah. so you know that was a big, a big step. For wow, me. that is huge. Do you recall um, now? This uh, when you were forty. That's like what twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. So you've been a Christ follower for those twenty years. Hard Do you believe? Yeah. Yeah. Do you recall a transition just in this one little category of thinking about your future? So when you were struggling through, I mean, you were raised in an abusive right. home, and now you're trying to parent and trying to be a husband and everything else. And you had some sort of thought or feeling about your future. Did that markedly, memorably change when you came to Christ and you're a whole new person? Is that a really a, a, a transforming marker in your life? Can you tell us? It about was, that? and I think the biggest thing for me was it gave me hope. Ah, okay. Uh, you know, faith produces hope. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I think before that, I was pretty hopeless about my future. In really. Fact, uh, I was shocked when I turned fifty that I had lived that long. I think I think I I always had it in my head for many years that I wouldn't live live that long. Wow! So, yeah, so that I want our listeners to really key in on that because uh, we say, well, you know, you believe this, I believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what difference does it make? Um, and it's not just a matter of doctrine or theology. It is a life changing interior, internal, uh, powerful effect. Right. Well, and for me, what was what was really uh, important was that now I had a Heavenly Father that loved me unconditionally, yeah. uh, that forgave me even when I couldn't forgive myself for yeah. the things that I did. Because that's part of the issue, too, is is we, we not only... People who've been abused not only have to forgive their abusers, they have to forgive themselves. Again, that's part of taking the blame for what happened uh-huh. to us. And then also the behaviors that we exhibit to our children... Right almost uncontrollably, right. because that's how we've been programmed, um, we have to forgive ourselves for that as well. So what do you mean by forgiving yourself? I mean, what did, what did you perceive that you did wrong that where you needed to forgive yourself? Can you well, break that out? Well, there was a lot of things growing up, or, you know, after I moved out of the house that I did that I, I certainly wasn't proud of. Um, things I did to people, things I said to people. Okay. After having children, things I said to my children. Mm. Um things that I have a hard time even now coming to terms with and 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 knowing now that they were probably a form of abuse verbal yeah. abuse um so but when you accept Christ's forgiveness you know you you accept that and yeah. and, and and that goes hand in hand with if we're going to accept that then we need to be willing to forgive those who mm-hmm. have who have done things to us and ourselves for the things that we have done too somehow my mind is going to the lord's prayer Mm. forgive us our depending upon which version you use Mm. forgive us our trespasses or our sins as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us Mm. so can you just a little bit more on the whole issue of forgiveness i mean i'm hearing from you that is absolutely fundamental to health and happiness and healing what would you recommend for parents who would like to integrate more of a culture of forgiveness in their home, uh, particularly if they still have, you know, if they have kids at home? 
is there, you know, uh, you know, I, I remember when my kids were misbehaving, which happened once or twice during their childhood. I'm saying that tongue in cheek because it was every day, of course, right? Well, say you're sorry or, you know, to your brother. And, uh, you know, that's kind of artificial. But do you have any words of wisdom to how to integrate more of a, a culture of forgiveness in the home? Well, I, you know, I think like most of this education is real important. Um, I think forgiveness, especially of our abusers, consists of two aspects. One, first of all, is letting go of the resentment. And the second is, is giving up the need for revenge. Now, particularly as a Christian, the need for revenge part probably isn't that big of a problem. I think once we become a believer, we, we maybe give up that need for revenge. And it's healthy that we do. The second part, though, is, is a little bit more difficult, the resentment. And that can be pretty uh, difficult, especially if the offending party is not repentant. Um, right. But their apology or changing their behavior is not the point of forgiveness. Um, you forgive others for the peace and healing that it brings you. Mm -hmm. There have been some interesting studies that have been done recently on cancer patients, and they're finding that 61% of all cancer patients have forgiveness issues, and it actually leads to uh, illness and keeping them sicker. Mm. And they're finding forgiveness therapies now being looked at as one way to really help cancer uh, wow. treatment. That's powerful. It is. I mean, we think that we got our, our mind, we got our body, and maybe they connect somewhere. But our brain, with all of its, what you were saying, billions of cells and neurons and everything else, they communicate thing to us, and it changes our personality, how we feel about ourselves and about others, and how we think uh, does control how we, how we feel and how we act. So this is, this is powerful. So I think w what you're raising here is the, the flag of uh, the power of forgiveness in a, in a person's life. Well, and, and, and just to follow up one more thing with forgiving ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes that's difficult. The truth of the matter, though, is the evil one is a liar. Yes. And, and he knows that deep in our hearts we're so fragile and injured by life that the faintest whisper will make us feel guilty even when we're not. Wow. And he knows that the hardest person for us to forgive is ourselves. Yeah. And so part of that is a spiritual attack, I think, that keeps us from forgiving ourselves mm. so that we can get healthy and move on right? And, and lead a healthy, productive life. Yeah, because that's one thing the enemy does not want right? for us to be happy and healthy. Because a, a healthy life is, a, um, is a, a billboard for the love and the power of God in our lives to actually make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so I would just toss this in with our banner of saying, helping America's baby boomer live a life that matters. If you're bogged down and anchored down and held to the ground by guilt or by resentment or by unforgiveness, you'll have a hard time living a life that matters. Right. For all the complicated feelings and emotions and thought processes and everything else. Well, and, and you know, again, with forgiveness, we talked about the, the revenge factor. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's revenge or justice, but the best form of revenge, I think, in this situation is just living a good life. Mm. And uh, part of that is forgiving yeah. the people that have abused you. Right. That's powerful. Say that again about uh, forgiveness or, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, revenge or... Revenge. Yeah, I think I think that is. I think it's the best the best form is to to live a good life and yeah. and to break those generational cycles and to yeah. raise ha healthy healthy happy children. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think went, that goes a long way. Oh to, my uh, gosh, yeah, the, there's our souls power in that when you're in the process of raising or experiencing the benefits of happy and healthy children, you're looking at the enemy and you're saying, "Aha, you did not get me. You did not defeat me." You know, God's power in me through forgiveness and grace and everything else has 
allowed me to be victorious over that enemy, that enemy of toxic parenting. That's powerful stuff. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, there is the issue of anger, uh, mm-hmm. which is a symptom or an outcropping or an outpouring of uh, abusive situations. And I think that's a natural, it's kind of a kind of a coping mechanism or it's kind of a natural thing. Talk to us about that well, a little yeah, bit. Let, let's, let's talk a little bit about healing um, from this type of an yeah. issue. And, and I think there's two aspects to this. I kind of broke it down into two aspects. There's the, what I call kind of the physical, uh, which I'll go through a couple of stages that were very helpful for me. And, and I don't know what order this might go in. Um, but you could do it anyway. First of all, education is really important. Finding out, reading what you can, uh, going to seminars and workshops, finding out why you respond the way you do, why you act mm. the way you do in certain situations, what's happened in your brain, you know, the trauma does to children's brains, um, so on and so forth, so that you understand what's happening. That's really right. important. The second aspect is counseling. I think professional counseling is very important. Um, I, my wife and I, my wife came from a very bad background as well, and uh, we went years of individual and couples counseling. Mm. And, and I remember thinking, oh, is this ever going to work, right? And, and wow. finally it did, you know. Um, and then finally, finding positive mentors in your life. Okay, good. Um, along with the counseling is, is um, support groups. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I remember going to uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics group, way out of my comfort zone at the time. Mm hugely powerful. When I went in there, I thought I was the only person that felt the way that I did in, in the whole world. And here's a whole room of people that know exactly what I'm talking about, exactly wow, how I feel. yeah, that's powerful. Very liberating, okay? Yeah. Um, and then finally to find positive role models because everybody I talk to who has come through this and, and leave it, lead a healthy life all say, at some point in my life, there was a person, a couple, or a family that modeled for me what healthy relationships and healthy parenting look like knowingly or otherwise maybe not knowingly okay but you were able to observe that so that you had something because because what happens is if you 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 can't just say well i'm not going to be like my parents were because you don't have anything to fill that with and in times of stress you're going to fall back on what your brain knows right Right. you're going to do it without even thinking about it but if you can put a positive model in there then you can do it now the other aspect to healing is I think emotional healing. Mm-hmm. And so the two main emotions I think that we need to deal with when we've come from an abusive environment are, are grief and anger. And they kind of mm-hmm. go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And, and grief, you know, we're grieving over the loss of our innocence as a child. We're grieving over the fact that we didn't have loving parents like we were supposed to have, that we were abused, uh, that, that we, because of that we developed frozen emotions. Um, you know, we have to learn to mourn the loss of good feelings about ourselves, loss of trust, loss of joy, loss of feelings of safety, loss of nurturing and respectful parents. I mean, wow. those are huge things that we oh, have yeah. to grieve from. So one of the outcomes of that is anger. I think I was a very angry man um, when I was younger. Um, and it's I think it's okay to be angry. It's its natural to be angry, but it's not okay to uh, that you give you the right to allow that anger to pass on those wounds to the important people in your life, mm-hmm. like your wife and children. We have to learn to deal with anger in a healthy way in order to keep it from contaminating those around us. And wounded people typically deal in it with anger in one of two ways. They either bury it and become sick or depressed, or they deaden it with things like alcohol, sex, food, drugs, things like that. Now, women, women and men internalize anger differently. Women especially have been socialized not to show anger. 
So this often leads them to turn their anger inward, which causes them to act in self-destructive ways, mm. eating disorders, self-harm, sure. self-medicating with drugs, shopping, promiscuity, hoarding, um, are all, I think, symptoms of internalized mm-hmm. anger in females. Males, of course, tend to externalize anger onto other people around them and, and destroy a lot of lives because of it. Well, well, we certainly want to turn the corner and have a lot of uh, positive encouragement and hope for the future. And we're going to start on that uh, journey right after the break, so don't go away. Do you have an elderly parent that is becoming isolated, not eating well, feeling depressed or fearful of losing independence? Do you know your options? Need peace of mind or know what is best for yourself or others during their golden years of life? At no cost to you or your family, Golden Placement Services can give you hope in the midst of great change. Even if it means staying at home is the right option. Call the Golden Girls at 503-723-7145 today. That's 503-723-7145 and schedule your non-obligation appointment today. Property values are on the rise, higher than they've been in years. It's time to take the equity in your home and do something different. 24-7 Properties will provide you with custom personal care to get the maximum value out of your home. Jeff Edmondson of 24-7 Properties is a licensed general contractor as well as a real estate agent, giving you the expertise on how to effectively get your home ready to sell at the highest price. Visit Jeff online at 247prop.com. I'm Jeff Edmondson, founder of 24-7 Properties. Call me today and let's have a conversation about selling your house. No obligation, no cost. Let's find out what's right for you. Call me, 503-780-3030, And we're back. Thank you for listening to those uh, really valuable spots there. These are some of the people that help make this show and all of our shows possible. We want to give a shout out to uh, Upside of Downsizing, Golden Placement Services, and uh, 24-7 Properties. Also partnering with us, some great partners here in our area, Warner Pacific College, Multnomah University, KKPZ, this radio station, and Serving Our Neighbors. So uh, we love them all and encourage you to uh, check them out. On our website, you'll find a, a clickable logo for each of them. Just uh, go to our page and then find those logos and click on it and you'll go right to their homepage and you can explore around and see what good things they are up to. So we are going to um, wrap around here to the final stretch here and um, we're going to talk about hope and encouragement because uh, it's one thing to define a problem and to describe it and get right down to the nitty-gritty which I think we've done a pretty good job uh, thank you for leading us in that uh, area, Rick. It's been really helpful. Hopefully some things that have been said have trigger in your mind, maybe some things that you wonder about, things that you want to know more about, things that uh, that you would like to make some progress in. I want to say it here, and we'll do it again before we finish. That is, uh, there are a lot of resources and contact uh, information on Rick's website, which is betterdads.net betterdads.net. And if you want to get in touch with Rick, uh, he's available for speaking engagement. He has a schedule, but uh, he'll figure out how to work it in wherever you are in the country. Uh, He does travel and he speaks. He does conferences uh, all over the country. So I just really want to encourage you. Um, I know that many people are blessed by the variety of his presentations. And he has a number of different specific topics that he can talk about uh, having to do with parenting, family life, marriage, all those kinds of things. In fact, some of his book titles are 
um, pretty uh, pretty helpful, I think. I can read the title and say, oh, okay, is that a subject? Um, maybe something I need to uh, to learn more about. So, Rick, let's, uh, let's get back into this and let's uh, wrap up with particularly focusing on hope and encouragement because we can be the parents we want to be and the parents that our kids deserve. Sure. And, and Dan, a lot of people ask me, you know, what are some practical things that I can try to um, instill and in, to develop healthy relationships in my life? And, and so once you've been through the, the, the steps to, to um, heal from some of these issues, um, here are some things that I usually talk to people about that I think are really important. First of all, attitude is really important. Um, I, people that have been abused, I think we tend to focus on the bad things that have happened mm. to us instead of the good things. But if you have a loving spouse and children, you're blessed. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. if you have a home, you have a job, you, you know, you've been blessed. And we need to focus, I think, on – I asked my wife. She came from a much, I think, much worse environment than I did. She actually left home at 13. And, I, and statistically, she should be, you know, divorced two or three times, a single mother, right. drug addicted, whatever. Right. Um, and yet, I said, well, how did you overcome that environment and become this loving, healthy, happy – and she just said, I just made a decision. I didn't want to be that kind of person. Mm, wow. So attitude is important. Yeah. Um, best parenting advice is love your spouse. It's a gift that we give to our kids when we teach them. Yeah. Um, and if you want to divorce-proof your marriage, pray together mm. consistently. Um, divorce rate's 50% in our country. Couples that pray together consistently have a 1% divorce rate. Seriously? Seriously. 1%. 1%. Now that's dramatic. It's very dramatic. Why, why hasn't that made the uh, headline of the Wall Street Journal or New York Times? It doesn't fit the narrative, right? <laughs> it doesn't fit not. our narrative. In our, oh, man. 1%. 1%. That's, that's amazing. Praying together consistently. Yeah. Can you just tip that a little bit and say, what does that look like? Uh, I mean, it's probably more than um, come Lord Jesus, be our guest at the dinner table. What does that look like to for for a couple to pray together? Well, I, I think and, it, and it's, it can be difficult, and if you and I think the man has to initiate it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't initiate it, we don't do it, and it, and weeks can go by. You get out of it really quickly. Sure, right. Uh, but it's just praying together for your with your wife, mm-hmm. and and even letting your kids see you yeah. do it is really important. Of course, it's important to pray at meals. Grace, it's important to pray over your kids at night. Right. Um, you know, I heard this on the radio, this woman who had been, uh, her dad every night would come in and kneel down next to her bed and, mm-hmm. and pray out loud over her for God's blessings. Yeah. She grew up and went away to college, came home at Christmas one year, and she was sitting at the table talking to her mom, and she said, Daddy still prays for me every night, doesn't he? And she said, well, yeah, how do you know? She said, because I can still see his kneel marks in the carpet next to the, my old bed. And I thought, wow, how, what, what kind of choice is that child wow. making away at college? Yeah. How, how would my life have been different if I'd had a parent that, that, that did sure. So prayer is a hugely powerful thing that we can wow. do. Physical affection. Give your kids lots of hugs and kisses. Yeah. I made a, a covenant with myself when my kids were born because I missed it. And I, w- mm. I, w- I was going to do it. And, and, and it was difficult because, because I didn't have a model. I didn't know yeah, how right. to do it. And, um, but it, it, paid off dividends yeah. to healthy physical affection with your kids. And communication, your words are powerful. Again, you know, we don't think about that. The, the biggest thing that I want people to know is that they matter. It doesn't matter what anybody's told them, what anybody's done to them. They are more precious and valuable than mm-hmm. they'll ever know. And, and their kids need them no matter how old they are and how many mistakes they've made. 
and so um you know we have we have a lot to offer yeah. the world and 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 um we can't let our we have to be willing and be courageous enough to actually use the influence that God has given us in the lives of our children and if we allow our past wounds to dictate the way we parent we waste that precious gift mm. of influencing the lives of our children yeah. in positive ways you know it's really speaking to me because my kids are in their 30s and um like i said we had a uh i grew up in a very healthy home and our home was healthy for our kids and um it's just amazing when you when you talk about uh, the necessity of uh, praying for praying together, husband and wife, praying for your kids. And I'm just thinking about how that that registers when I express to my kids. I mean, I, I told you before we got on the air that I have two kids. My oldest, our oldest was killed in a plane crash uh, at age 17. And that just really caused a lot of havoc in our family. But now I have um, the whole range. Uh, I have from a hippie to a soldier, my my daughter. And she doesn't mind if I say that because, um, you know, she doesn't have the sandals and the, the beads and everything else because hippie was kind of, a, you know, back in our day. But then I have a tough uh, Army Ranger son. And uh, both of them, every time we talk on the phone or every time we're together, there's always a hug at the beginning and at the end. And there's always an I love you. And that is powerful because I'm uh, enjoying the benefits and the fruit mm-hmm. of having experienced that and, and offered that to my kids for many, many years. So that's powerful. That's great. Yeah. And what you're saying is very, it's good therapy. It's good modeling. It's good because uh, it it helps a, a child feel um, valued, feel worth uh, worthwhile. And when you said, uh, Rick, that you want people to uh, realize that they are uh, what did, what's the word you used, that they matter. And in fact, that just comes right together with the theme of our radio show and our whole ministry is helping America's baby boomer live a life that matters. And that's one of the our highest aspiration could matter be, could be to matter to the people that are closest to us in our family. Well, God tends to use us in the areas that we have been wounded the yeah, most deeply in. Exactly. He uses us the deepest. Right. And so for people who come, you know, people all the time are like, well, are you sorry the your background? So, well, I didn't like it, but no, because uh, now I'm, yeah. you know, God uses me to relate to a lot of people that I would never be able to relate to right. if I hadn't had those experiences right. in my life. So, wow. yeah. Um, so absolutely, it's never too late to, to make a difference in people's lives. Powerful stuff. And I'll leave our listeners with this, uh, and that is... When we pray for our kids, whether they're there or not, when we pray for them, I always hear God speaking to me, not in an audible voice, but I'm praying for my kids. God says to me, I hear your prayer. Are you available? So he can work through me as a dad and do the right kind of thing to, to help them uh, on the path of being happy and healthy. And uh, that's pretty powerful mm-hmm. stuff. Rick, I want to thank you very much for coming in today. We talked about some difficult things, but there's hope and there's encouragement. And your book, Overcoming Toxic Parenting, available anywhere. Fine books are sold. That's what I hear on the (laughs) commercials, right? Um, But yeah, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, um, maybe bookstores. I don't know. Do you do much in the retail? Some in the bookstores. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, listeners, go to Rick's website because you can buy that book and uh, any of his other ones at betterdads.net. Rick Johnson, author of Overcoming Toxic Parenting, Better Dads, 
www.thepowerhousechurch.net. That is us for now, and we're going to uh, say goodbye. We're going to ask you to uh, just continue to come back and get good, good content, good stuff from Second Half Now. Go to our website, secondhalfnow.com. You can uh, listen to our previous shows. We're on iTunes and other places. You'll have to search it out and find out. I can't tell you all. But until next time, we want you to uh, uh, believe that God really does want you to live a life that matters. And that comes by honoring Him and blessing others. So let's meet again right here on our website or live next Monday, 5.30 p.m. on the radio, KKPZ 1330. The truth. Thanks for listening to Second Half Now with Dr. Dan Critchett on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. Brought to you by Second Half Network. To hear the rest of this program, find out more about the topics discussed today, or ask questions, visit secondhalfnow.com. That's secondhalfnow.com. Tune in next Monday at 5.30 p.m. for more tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. Until then, visit secondhalfnow.com.